Beautiful. Good morning. Only someone as awesome as Jesus would bring people together on a beautiful spring sunny morning. Without a doubt. Pearl of Great Price. I'm just going to start off with a, a prayer for us today. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. I just pray, Father, for more of you, Almighty God, wonderful Counselor, Holy Spirit, more of you, the pearl of great price, our all in all, our bread of life, our living water, our way, the truth, and the light. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So last week, Jesse, he wrapped up a series um, that he was doing on the book of Jonah. And as he was wrapping it up, and I was just grasping, you know, the, some of the fundamental messages that came through that story, I was just washed and blessed with such a wave of the compassion, of the mercy, and the loving kindness, of the Lord, of God. I actually had no idea how badly I needed just that wave of his compassion. I had no idea how much stress I was actually sitting in until his presence, his loving presence, just washed over my heart. And, um, and it, I realized in that moment that, you know, kind of all week long, I had been running on some old programming. Some old software somehow, you know, was running on the hard drive, and uh, without even realizing it, I was, I was feeling a lot of stress as a result of, you know, it's just some old thinking, maybe some old, yeah, a little bit of not good enough, maybe a little bit of condemnation, a little bit of like, it's all on my shoulders to do this life thing. I don't know, I didn't even realize it, again, until just the presence, the love, the compassion of God just washed over me, thanks to that wonderful message that Jesse shared. Um, it's pretty crazy how we so easily can hear what we're used to hearing. We can hear what we're used to hearing despite maybe something new and fresh that is right in front of our eyes and our ears. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm going to need that. I was jumping up and down and screaming my head off yesterday with a friend who was invited me to join her for a couple of hours in a Tony Robbins online conference. So, <clears throat> And then I went for a run in the cold, uh, cold weather first thing in the morning. So I'm, thanks, Ray. <laughs> He's like a very world-renowned um, motivational speaker. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. So it's pretty wild how easily we can run off of old programming um, and that we hear things that we're used to hearing despite maybe the, new, the truth that might be right there presenting itself in front of us. I'll give you a little case in point. A couple of weeks ago, maybe more like three weeks ago now, my husband and I decided to go to the theater and watch a movie. Uh, we'd actually been there quite a bit in weeks previous to that and kind of eating a lot of junk food, maybe eating a little bit more richly than we'd like to. So as we're driving to the theater, we decide together that we're not going to get any snacks, we're not going to get any popcorn. 
And so, uh, I, I know, I see you shaking your head. I hear you, Rhonda. I know. I don't know. We're trying, <laughs> trying to make good choices. So, um, you know, sure enough, so we get, we get into the movie theater. We walk inside. The, the smell of the popcorn just, like, hits my husband. And he just looks at me and goes, I'm getting popcorn. <laughs> of course you are. But, but then he says, he goes, but I'm not going to get butter with it. So... Then I'm just like, okay, I don't get it, but, you know, fill your boots. So we're standing in line, we're approaching the counter, and I start to see all the candy that's on display, and my mouth starts watering a little bit, and I start maybe, like, considering what I might want to get. We're getting closer, and I'm entertaining the idea, and then I say, no, I don't, I don't want to sit there with sugar in my teeth for a couple of hours, so I remove myself from the situation. I just, like, I, I walk about 20 feet away. Um, uh, I can still see Jer, he's still like in the lineup, I could still see everything that's happening, I'm still within earshot, but I'm just kind of at a distance. And then I hear him order, and sure enough, he, he orders, he's like, I'd like a large popcorn with no butter, this is very clearly, with no butter, um, and then he asked what kind of bubbly flavors they had, and gave him the options, and he chose his bubbly flavor. And, uh, and the guy at the till goes, you got it. So he, uh, he then uh, goes behind the counter, grabs, grabs with the popcorn bag, and he just like, whoosh, like, just one quick swoop. You could tell he's done it like a thousand times. It was kind of cool, a little bit of entertainment. And he proceeds to start filling up the popcorn bag. He fills it up about a third full or something, the way they do. And then he goes over to the butter pumping machine, and he starts pumping butter on it. He's like, and he's like really shaking it, trying to get it really well coated, like, you know, try, trying to do his buddy a solid here. He's like, and Jer's standing there, and he's looking over, and I'm watching this, and I mean, Jer's pretty chill. Um, I mean, and twist his rubber arm, right? So he, he, but he does kind of just like, kind of just get the guy's attention. He goes, that's good enough. I don't want any more butter in my popcorn. That's it. And the guy's like, I got you, man. So he fills the rest of the bag full of popcorn. I love how they do. They just like bumps a mound full, right? It's just like overflowing. And then he proceeds to the butter pumping machine and starts pumping butter all over it. And I'm looking over at Jer. <laughs> I'm gutting myself at this point. And Jer's just standing there like this. Later on, we were talking, but he told me that he thought maybe he was getting punked because it was like that ridiculous, <laughs> you know. And so the guy then brings the popcorn over to Jer, <laughs> places it on the counter, hands him his bubbly, and Jer just goes, thanks, man. <laughs> he grabs it and he just walks away. <laughs> and we're just both laughing so hard. And, uh, and we both kind of thought, like, maybe it was just meant to have butter, I don't know. And he actually thought he was getting punked at one point, but, but no. This was just one of those examples of this fella who is operating based on what he is used to hearing over and over and over again, despite what is clearly the clear message in front of him. We have an incredible ability to do that. And so today... It's funny, Melissa, actually, that you did a little story time with the children. Because today is going to be a little bit of story time with Tamara. Um, there is, I mean, Jesus Christ gives us such unfathomable riches, immeasurable riches in him. And what I would love for us to indulge in together today, get some repetition in today, develops a new narrative, narratives and neurological pathways in our thinking 
some new programs, some new fresh programming of the truth today is wrapped around some of his unfathomable riches, that being his mercy, his grace, and his compassion. And together today, we're going to go through multiple stories of Jesus demonstrating and illustrating this. And my hope and my prayer is that just as I received last weekend, that as we indulge in the word and in examples of Jesus and how he, he lavished mercy and grace and compassion, that wherever your heart and your mind and your life needs that today, that you will receive in great measure that exactly. And uh, ensure that you're, you're aligned with the new programming. <laughs> with the truth. Um, mercy, grace, compassion. So as I went through the Gospels, these were the ones that I just felt the Holy Spirit just sort of placed in my heart and it just jumped out at me, the ones that maybe we can enjoy together today. In Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus coming down from the mountainside. And large crowds are following him. So he's surrounded in people, watching him. All eyes are on Jesus. And then a man with leprosy came and knelt before him. A man with leprosy. So at that time, anybody who had leprosy was excommunicated from the community. Socially, economically, spiritually, they were allowed no part in, in society because it was believed that, um, well, in that day, there were forms of leprosy that were indeed contagious. Um, and there are multiple other reasons why these people were completely shut out. So you have this man with leprosy who courageously comes and kneels down before Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And here we see a demonstration of compassion from Jesus. He doesn't just heal this man. He doesn't just heal this man. Before he goes and heals this man, Jesus reaches out and touches him. He touches someone that would not have received a human touch in who knows how long. And he does it in front of a great crowd of witnesses. In that moment, restoring this man's dignity and his worth and affirming him as a valuable and loved and cherished human being. First, he gives him what his heart needs more than anything. And that is that love and affirmation. And then he heals him of his leprosy. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. And he says, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. So that's an example of, of compassion. I've, I don't know if you've ever wondered of, of the difference between mercy, grace, and compassion. I didn't look this, this up into any great length or anything, but, but it just kind of started to become, um, yeah, like I became sort of keenly aware of some differences and similarities. They kind of all look similar, but they all come from different places. Mercy, and again, this is, this is kind of just me, this is my own clever understanding of it. Um, this is by no means a clinic on the definition of these, but mercy to me seems like it's a, a pardon from deserved punishment. Grace 
is pardon from deserved punishment and then unmerited favor on top of that. It's abundant. It's wow. And compassion is that loving kindness and that care and that love for those who are suffering. So mercy and grace are loving kindness and care and love for those who have caused suffering. And compassion is that loving kindness, that care, that love for those who are suffering. And let's face it, as humans, sometimes it's very true that both are very real in our lives. We are both suffering and maybe causing suffering. Not always both, but just recognizing that he brings, he brings all of this in such great measure. Um, Matthew 20, 29. So the story of, of Jesus healing a couple of blind beggars. <clears throat> Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him again. He's, in the, he's, he's among a crowd of witnesses, a whole community of people watching him and following him. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard that Jesus was going by. And they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Why would, they, why would they shout that? Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. There's a couple of men who are blind on the side of the road. Why are they shouting for mercy? Well, it was believed at a theological level there and then that, you know, that hardships and some suffering you're enduring was the result of your own wrongdoing. It was, in fact, punishment. Um, and if it was something you were born with, then the question would have been, like, who sinned? Was it your father or your father's father? And so, again, these individuals, they believed that that, that was their programming. So, so they very well may have believed that they were receiving this, that they were suffering the way they were because of something that Ron that they've done or past generations have done. So they're calling out for mercy they're calling out for mercy as though believing that this, my blindness, is a punishment for my sin. <clears throat> and of course, now we can see why the crowd rebukes them. Because the crowd probably believes the same thing. You sinners, who are you to call out to Jesus? You're clearly blind because you're bad. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But these men, they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. What a bold request. They obviously saw something in Jesus that was very different than the world around them. And then it says Jesus had compassion on them compassion on them and touch their eyes immediately they received their sight and followed him compassion something that he bestows on people who are suffering he saw them he didn't see their sin he didn't see their wrongdoing he saw their humanness and their suffering and he lavished his compassion on them and in front of this great crowd of witnesses who rebuked them He healed them, again, restoring more than just their sight, but their dignity. 
the centurion's servant. Flip over to that in Matthew 8. <clears throat> when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him. So a centurion would have been a Roman military officer in charge of a hundred soldiers. Century centurion. <clears throat> and he approached Jesus asking for help. He said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. Wow. Let's bear in mind, so Jesus is a Jewish man. He's, he's in Israel among the Jewish people, but this is occupied by Rome. Rome was occupying this land. And the Roman military, the Roman officials, um, you know, they, they use a lot of brute force, um, a lot of brutality and fear and oppression and, and torture, to, you know, as a part of their way of occupying and ruling this land. So this Roman centurion would have been responsible for a lot of suffering. For a lot of suffering. He would have been responsible for causing a lot of suffering. And does Jesus come to him? And, you know, does Jesus, before, before healing his servant, does he first say, well, let's, let's account, let's, let's go through the list of all the things that you've done wrong. No. Mercy. Grace. Compassion. He just says, I will go and heal him. <clears throat> the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. There's lots more to that story. <clears throat> I love this story. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he, stu he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, and neither do I. Now go and leave your life of sin. Mercy, grace, and compassion. I love in this story how Jesus gets in between this woman and her accusers. And I just think that's such an example of what Jesus does for us in our hearts, in our minds, as we let him in. I don't know about you, but the accuser of criticism, and guilt, shame, condemnation, not good enough, do better, you're on your own. Man, those accusers are quick to want to come flood in and just rob you of life. But Jesus Christ, he stands there in the gap and he says, no, no, no. 
I make you clean. You have my compassion, my grace in full measure. You are free. You are free to follow me. I hope we're doing okay here. I'll just kind of, uh, yeah, I'll just kind of rattle through the, the, the following. Uh, I think I've got these ones down by heart. So Judas, Judas who betrays Jesus. Judas is one of Jesus' disciples. He spent three years with Jesus, following him around, watching him, rubbing shoulders with him, seeing Jesus do miracles. Jesus cared for them. And Jesus was his beloved leader for three years, and then he decided for 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus to uh, the Jewish leaders, to the Roman authorities that led to his arrest and crucifixion. Before Jesus was arrested, you hear about the Last Supper. Jesus was spending time with his disciples, having supper. And Jesus knew Judas would betray him. Jesus knew this. And so Jesus at the table says, one of you is going to betray me. And they were all just, they were like, no, Lord, never. He says, no, indeed. One of you here who is breaking bread with me, dipping bread and wine here with me, is going to betray me. He knew that, and yet there he was at the table with Judas, breaking bread, having dinner, loving him all the same. Wow, if that's not mercy, if that's not grace, that's not compassion. Afterwards, after Jesus was crucified, we see Judas greatly remorseful for what he did, so much so that the shame and the guilt overtook him and he actually ended up taking his own life. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. If we look at Peter, another one of Jesus' disciples, he wasn't much better than Judas. Peter, same thing, walked with him closely for, for throughout Jesus' ministry saw and received and experienced the fullness of everything we read here. And uh, shortly before Jesus' arrest, he said to Peter, said, Peter, before the rooster crows tonight, you are going to deny knowing me. You're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, never, Lord. I'm ready to go to the death with you. I'm ready to die for you. And I have no doubt that's truly where Peter's heart was. But sure enough, Jesus is arrested. Peter is not too far off, kind of watching the events happen, obviously very startled and afraid. And three different times, three different people come to him and say, Hey, are you Peter, one of the, aren't you one of the disciples of Jesus? And he denies it completely. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Same thing. Hey, I know you. You're one of the followers of Jesus. You are mad. I don't know the man. And it happened again. And then sure enough, a rooster crows, and Peter knew exactly that Jesus was right. And that's what he did. But unlike Judas, Peter didn't let the accusers take him down. He stayed close. He believed in the grace and the compassion of Jesus. He stayed close. And we see later on after Jesus you know, rose from the dead and ascended, 
and he, he, he told all of his followers to, to wait upon the Holy Spirit coming down to empower them, to anoint them, to give them power from on high before starting their ministry. Peter was there. Peter was there. He didn't let the accusers get in the way. And if you start reading the book of Acts, chapter 2, going forward after the Holy Spirit came down, you'll see that Peter, he was the one who moved forward and spread the gospel, spread the good news. He spoke with boldness and authority. He did all the things that Jesus did and more by the power of the Holy Spirit. He knew the, great, the abundant, unfathomable, immeasurable riches that Jesus had for him by way of his incredible, unmerited favor and compassion, even though he had denied even knowing the man. Jesus, when he was being executed, crucified, said, prayed for his executioners and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. If that's not a picture of incredible, unmerited favor and compassion, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. While he's getting crucified. Wow. We're almost there. The book of um, Paul, formerly known as Saul. Paul, an apostle of Christ, he wrote many of the books in the New Testament started off his journey before knowing Jesus as a real religious zealot, really determined to stop this way that they called it, this growth that came from Jesus. All these people starting to follow Jesus in that time. He was determined to stop it by, by any means necessary. He led campaigns that had Christians arrested, persecuted, tried, killed. He was on his way to a place called Damascus to do just more of that. Find people who were following Jesus, arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem, have them persecuted and prosecuted. And while he was going along the way, Jesus himself appears. Again, this is after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Jesus appears to Paul and says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? He presents himself to Paul, who was Saul then. He presents himself to Saul in this moment. He ended up making Paul blind for three days, brings Paul into connection with his disciples. Paul realizes Jesus is real. Jesus is the way. He receives, he, <clears throat> he has faith. He receives the Holy Spirit. In that very place, Damascus, where he went to go and arrest and persecute and prosecute Christians, he ended up preaching the gospel. Can we see the incredible mercy, grace, and compassion of Jesus? Final story. Tamara's conversion. <laughs> it's been 24 years now. I was in grade 12. It was almost 24 years ago, exactly. It was the spring of my grade 12 year. Um, I attended high school in Castlegar, Stanley Humphreys. And I remember one lunch hour actually hanging out on the steps of a church that's located right beside it, New Life Church. Just hanging out there with my friends on the doorstep during a lunch hour. And uh, we were actually, I was just like mocking people who believed in God. <laughs> I remember being a, you know, a proud, developing atheist. 
thinking that because when you know at 17 years old, you know everything at that point. So um, I had summarized that you know there was no God, and um, you know was <clears throat> happy to you know just. Yeah, mock people who believed in him. I was like, oh, those people who believe in God, they're just like, they just need a crutch. They can't just stand on their own two feet. Well, I think it was no more than a week later that um, one Saturday night, didn't really have much to do. I was at home. Um, my mom and my sisters, we lived in a house actually not too far from there in Kalsagar and uh, had nothing to do one Saturday night. Me and my sister were kind of bored. And we heard that there was, there was a band playing at that church. So we decided to, it was raining that night, so we decided to walk through the rain and go check it out. We arrived, like a couple of drowned rats at, uh, at the church. And somehow, and I don't even know how this happened, but we ended up right in the front row of this, of this, what was a big youth rally. Um, all I knew was I just saw a whole bunch of young people and a band on stage, and it was pretty lively. And so we ended up right in the front row, and not too far into the worship service, all of a sudden my sister just gets slain in the spirit. Right beside, just drops. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just like the Holy Spirit, the presence of God just fell on her so hard, so overwhelmingly that it just, like she literally just passed out in the, under the power and the presence of God. And so I got my sister on the ground and, and some people just felt the need to pray for her and I too, no idea why, just had this natural desire to, to pray for her. And Jesus Christ showed up and showed himself to me. Who am I that he would do that? So I was quite curious, obviously, about what this was all about. After the service, went downstairs, enjoyed a spaghetti dinner with everybody. And I tell you, the second, and Jesus just showed up in a second way, immediately right there too. Wow. What a loving, accepting group of people. I just knew right away, I was, I was accepted. I just knew right away, I was a part. And what a contrast to the world out there, especially as a teenager. So that was another way he really showed up and revealed himself to me. I didn't want to leave. I did not want to leave that place that night. So I found myself then in the attic with uh, who is now uh, one of the pastors at the church there top of the floor late at night and I just had this one burning question I said what is up with Jesus dying on the cross <laughs> what is up with Jesus dying on the cross and she shared with me she just helped me understand like you know we're we're all sinners all deserving of you know punishment for our for our sin but a holy father who loves us so much, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, taking away the sin of the world, taking upon himself all punishment, past, present, and future, for all sin, for all time, so that instead of receiving that, 
we could receive the gift of life and fellowship and communion and connection and life. He was the first of many brethren. In other words, after him, all those who believed joined him as brothers and sisters in Christ in the Father's house. That's us. That's you. That's me. Well, I obviously wanted some of that, so I was just continued on going to church. And, and I remember one Sunday morning, this particular sermon that was preached, and the Holy Spirit started to convict my heart. Conviction is this incredible feeling of when you know you're ready to repent of your way, lay it down at Jesus' feet, all the stuff you're doing and have done, in contrast to the holiness and the way of Jesus, and in exchange, receive him. And I knew that Sunday was the Sunday that I wanted to make a decision to make Jesus Christ my Lord and to follow him. It was the best decision I ever made. He is worthy. He is worthy. There is nothing like the pearl of great price. And from that moment forward, everything changed. From the moment I started just following him, obeying him, consuming him. Six months later, I found myself at Bible college. Again, just another miracle. Like, just unbelievable. And, I mean, he, I, he opened me up to a whole world I never thought was possible for me. But he had such good things in store for me by way of just choosing him and his way and following him, he then unfolded his plan for me. And that's what he has for each and every one of us. So maybe one of you here today, or a few of you here today, maybe this today is your day. Maybe God has been revealing himself to you. You know, the Holy Spirit has been leading you. And there's something going on in your heart where you're ready to exchange your way for his way. To exchange all the stuff of the world for the kingdom. And to make Jesus your Lord, your Savior. To become one with him and him with you. And all the abundance, all the unfathomable riches, unmeasurable riches that come with him and knowing Jesus Christ. If that's you today, right here, right now, in your seat, you can ask him to be your savior. And you can make that decision. If you would like to do that with somebody, because it's you recognize what a monumental moment that is for you. Um, during the worship service, uh, at the, for the rest of the service and after the service, there'll be a couple of us here over to the side. We'd be happy to pray with you, to witness that with you, to hold you in that place, in that space, as you, as you take hold of this moment. Um, and we'll continue to be here, to walk alongside you as you get to know Jesus. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. Story time with Tamara is over. God bless you.